Welcome back to another episode of Two Guys, One Topic. I'm Ollie. And I'm Liam. For those of you that don't know, or for any new listeners that we've got, each episode we take a topic that we don't really know much about, and we give ourselves a week to read and research all about it, with the idea being that we share what we feel are the most important pieces of information with you, the listeners. Yes, that's right. And so everyone knows we are not experts in anything that we talk about on the pod. This is just a summary of our findings. Hopefully, by sharing some knowledge with you, we can all learn a little bit more about a whole lot of things. Yeah, now this is an exciting one this week because this week was a listener choice episode. So we put it out there on our socials and we had loads and loads of suggestions. And it ended up being that this week's topic is all about death row. Liam, death row. As we were saying, this was our listener choice after going through quite a lot of submissions from our listeners. Thank you for anybody who submitted them. And it ended up going to a final vote that death row won it. And the person who suggested it was someone called Luke from Swindon in the UK. Should we hear a little word from Luke? Why he selected it? Yeah, let's, we asked him to send us a little message, didn't we? Why did you pick death row? And uh, this is what he said. Hey guys, thank you so much for picking my topic. Um, I've listened to all your podcasts since you've been doing it. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, quite a few of your topics have come up in conversation at the pub um, with, with a mate, which I guess is the, is the whole point of it. Um, yeah, thank you for picking my topic on death row. Um, the reason I wanted to, for, to hear a little bit more about this is just because it's one of those things that I think so many people show an interest in. You know, you watch all your Louis Through documentaries and, and all the things that are on TV, and it's just absolutely fascinating, um, some of the stuff they say. So I can't wait to hear what you guys do with it. So yeah, great show as always. Well done. Keep it up. Thank you very much, Luke. So death row is the topic. Ollie, know anything about death row before we started this week? Mm, no, I don't think so. Obviously, the first thing that comes to mind when you think of death row is, and for me, is America and death row in America that people will be on. And knowing it's you've probably got to do something pretty bad to get on death row in the first place and yeah ultimately you then end up being killed for the crime that you've committed only stuff that i've really seen in films and that how about yourself no exactly you know it's just this hollywood eyes isn't it the the what, what you think death row is small cell scratches on the wall counting down your time no contact with anybody very solitary sort of life uh yeah no I, I, that's about it like de- what what is day-to-day life like um what happens at the end that like, you know those sorts of things that yes. where is it like how do you get there yeah. that's what i've sort of ended up looking at this week so i didn't know the answers to those nice we should probably just throw out a bit of a warning for people ahead of this episode obviously talking about a death row it's not going to be the happiest of topics it is super interesting um, we won't be too gruesome throughout this. We'll maybe let you know if we think something's going to get a bit gory. But yeah, hopefully you should find this really interesting. Like we normally do, Liam, is it probably worth just thinking a little bit about how it all started and how it all began? And as anyone who's become a, a constant listener will know, this started a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That's exactly it. So the death penalty... And as we've mentioned, we're going to focus on the USA. So you can have the death penalty all around the world. And it's it's been in many, many countries around the world, but it's since it's been abolished. So we'll focus on the, on the USA. And the death penalty has existed in the United States since colonial times. 
And the first recording of the death penalty was in 1608, which was in somewhere called Jamestown, which was in the colony of Virginia. And it was someone was executed called Captain George Kendall. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a very long time ago. And essentially it's been going ever since, hasn't it? And um, we should also say, we said that we'd mentioned this um, when we get onto it, like it's slightly different in different places, isn't it? Like how it happens, what the rules are and things. So we're going to be a bit general when we talk about these things. You know, if you're listening to this in America and you're in a different state, you might say, well, we have it slightly different. And that's probably true. But for the most part, we'll just try and generalize, won't we? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what we're saying is is pretty much accepted as the general uh, death row instances. But to get on death row, you've probably had to commit a crime in the first place, haven't you? And you end up with something called the death penalty. Yeah, so the, the death penalty was abolished in 1972. But then four years later, they reinstated it. The Supreme Court reinstated the death penalty in America. Um, and at that point, uh, the rule became that you could only be given the death penalty. Therefore, you could only get onto death row if you, would convic- if you were convicted of murder. So whatever crime you had committed, somebody had died. And yeah, that, that's essentially, you know, it's, it's pretty much covers everything. You know, if, you, if no one has died, you shouldn't be getting a death penalty. And the reason they stopped it is it's because it's pretty controversial, isn't it? It seems to be that America is roughly 50-50 split about people who think it should be there or not. I think it's actually about, it's like 55% in favour of it. And I was reading that it tends to be older generations are more in favour of it and younger people, Gen Z and those people onwards, are against it. So yeah, the the country's pretty split and it's quite a controversial matter, isn't it? And that's true of like the number of states that have it as well, isn't it? Um, It's about 27 and to 23, like 27 states still have the death penalty, 23 do not. And it's quite um, important to point out that very recently, the state of Virginia stopped the death penalty, didn't they? And I just mentioned Virginia, didn't I? With Jamestown, that was the, the first place to do it. Yeah, so the fact that they have got rid of the death penalty, only behind Texas... Virginia were like the state with the most people on death row. They, they had executed the most prisoners. So the fact that they have stopped it is thought to possibly be a turning point and that more and more states might follow suit because they were a big deal doing it and now they are not going to do it. Yes. So, um, yeah, I mean, this might be a, a wasted podcast in a few years possibly. But <laughs> So talking as of right now, so in... 2021 there are 27 states where it is legal but there are three states as liam said which are in what's called memoratum and that's california oregon and pennsylvania and memoratum means that it's been temporarily suspended in law so it means that their their governor has imposed this on them to then say actually is this something we should or shouldn't be doing um but yeah the, the official number is 27 they're around two and a half thousand prisoners that are currently facing execution in the US. And it's been quite interesting. That number has been declining over the years, hasn't it? I think because of this controversy around it and states offering it or not offering it, that number's been coming down for a number of years. Yeah, and there are lots of states, even though they have the death penalty, they haven't executed anybody for like actual decades. Yes, Um, yes. So, you know, some places do like Texas, for example, execute lots and lots of prisoners quite often. But there are other states 
um, whereby, so in 2020, uh, Colorado abolished the death penalty, but they hadn't executed anyone for, I think it was at least a dozen, uh, like 10 years or something. I was reading about that and it was, the, the opinion seemed to be that there are a number of states that seem to want to be strong and have these really have this really severe penalty in place for if you commit crimes, but they don't then actually follow through on it. So it's almost there as trying to be a deterrent, but that isn't always the case, is it? There's there's some some um, study that has been carried out that doesn't really work. Yeah, like there's, there's evidence to suggest that that a really strict rule against a crime doesn't necessarily deter people from committing that crime. Um, so yeah, that might be the case. One thing quickly about getting there, just let me just circle back because I didn't say it and I thought this was pretty crazy. Somebody has to have been murdered for you to get onto death row, right? Yep. But that includes something in America, they call it felony murder. And what that means is if you committed a crime, say like a typical example is a bank robbery. And during that bank robbery, one of your mate, <laughs> mates, one of the people you are committing the crime with kills somebody. <laughs> yeah. You are charged with that murder as well and therefore can be given the death penalty. So what? So if you and I went into a bank, oh God, you got a bit trigger happy. <laughs> I don't know. We should be mentioning this. Yes, I you could, could get the death penalty because you of could get the death penalty. Done. Yeah, that's nuts, isn't it? Wow, felony murder. It's called. In, in terms of the, um, the 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 decision, then if you actually then get the death penalty or not, what happens is that you need to be found guilty of a capital offence in a state where they they have the death penalty in place, and the judge then puts it on the jury to decide if you get a death sentence or if you get life in prison without parole. So life in prison without the option of coming out. And then it's up to that jury then to decide if you get the death sentence. And it usually has to be a unanimous decision. Um, so yeah, pretty grim, all of this, isn't there's it? There's a guy, there's a guy I read an interview, um, a quote from a guy called Michael Selsor, who was sentenced to death in 1976. They asked him, what's the difference between a death penalty and life without parole? He said... The only difference between death and life without parole is in one of them options, you kill me now, and in the other one, you kill me later. Wow. Yeah. And he, yeah, yeah. he was on death row, and we'll talk about what this means exactly shortly, for 36 years and three months Wow. before he was killed or I think, executed. I think the um, partly the reason why they then give it to the jury is that then that one person's life isn't in a, a judge's hands. So it then, yeah, it's, it's then passed on to like multiple people to give consensus. And in terms of when when you were just saying earlier, Liam, about the number of states or the, the number of people. So there's two and a half thousand prisoners currently facing execution. And you mentioned like Texas is way ahead. So Texas, they've done over 500 executions. Oklahoma and Virginia, if you said, they've done like 113. Then Florida are pretty high, uh, about uh, 99. And then it sort of drops down to the other states. But yeah, Texas are way out there in front, aren't they? Yeah, let's not do a crime in Texas then. No. Because you've got more chance of uh, the death penalty. So that's sort of the history and how you end up there, I guess, isn't it? Uh, we don't want to go too much into that. Don't commit a murder and you won't be there. But let's say that you have. <laughs> so you end up there, right? <laughs> we, we said, didn't we, right? Something we've got to try and find out is what does a day in the life of somebody on death row look like? Bearing in mind, I just said this guy, for example, who it was there for 36 years, right? Yeah. And we mentioned some of the other ones later. First of all, let's start with a cell. Did you happen to find out how big a cell is? They are not very big, are they? And, and as you've 
just about to get into, it tends to be that people on death row, they're in conditions that are maybe worse, harsh conditions than just normal prison prisoners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, they're off on their own, almost like solitary confinement in a cell. That is, so different websites tell you different sizes, but obviously we said different states have different rules. So yeah. I was on like the Florida penitentiary website or something, and then the one for Delaware as well. But essentially these cells are somewhere, Delaware cells, are 13 feet long by seven feet wide, which must be about three or four meters long and a couple of meters wide. Yeah. That's yep. grim, isn't it? But Florida, so don't go to Florida because their cells are six feet wide to so two meters by nine feet, which is three meters. Wow. So wow. All that's really in there must be like a bed and like the smallest hotel room you've ever seen. And you're, you're in there for about 23 hours a day, aren't you? Yeah, somewhere between 22, 23 hours a day. Everything happens in the cell, doesn't it? You have no contact with anybody. All contact is, it's called, it, um, so any interviews and things like that, they're all behind screens, aren't they? You don't yeah. touch yep. anyone, any well, visits and things like that. It's only when you get handcuffed to get be taken to the showers and stuff and the showers every other day that you then have anybody actually physically touch you. So it could well be people are in on death row for decades and yeah. the human contact that they'll ever get is just the prison guards putting on their handcuffs. Yeah, they, uh, their food, I thought this is pretty nuts, their food is served at the same time as the rest of the prisoners because of, you know it's obviously easier for them to do that. But because a lot of prisoners have jobs, uh, death row inmates don't have jobs, but because prisoners have jobs, their breakfast is about 3.30 in the morning because they've got to get to their jobs by like 5 or 6 o'clock. So it's about 3.30 in the morning. They then have lunch approximately 10 a.m and then they have their tea or their supper or whatever you want to call it somewhere between 3 30 and 4 in the <laughs> afternoon <laughs> <laughs> and then tuck down and get an early night my days what do you do uh just going back to the size of the cell uh like i'm sitting right now at a dining table right it's a normal dining table you can get six people around this two either side one on each end my dining table is about two feet by six feet, something like that, ballpark. So you could get three or four of these in your cell and that'd be it. Like that's that much, that, there's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. What? That's mental. Um, some of them have tellies, don't they? Did you read that? I did, yeah. It's, again, it, it depends by a state and I think even by prison what they're allowed to do. I think, yeah, most of the tellies could be outside the cell. In, in fact, most of them don't offer tellies. So if you do, you're pretty privileged to have one. But And the telly, they, they choose what you watch, don't they? So they choose like be better programs or whatever, whatever they, you know, you're not sat there watching something exciting, I don't imagine. No. So you're in prison for all this time. Uh, well, one guy actually I read, uh, I think he might be in prison. I mean, it might be a blog I was reading of a guy in prison saying that he is only allowed out of his cell for like this hour a day. Monday to Friday and at weekends and on holidays, there's no recreational time at all. And the wow. only time he's allowed out of his cell at the weekends is for a shower. Wow. I wonder if that's down to like prison staffing or something, but yeah, that's, that's not good, but I guess they've, they've done something in the majority of cases to actually be there. So. Yeah. So how long are they there for? Well, the, the other thing is you can be there for a, a really long time and you end up with getting something called death row syndrome. I don't know if you okay. saw this at all. No, go on, explain. So death row syndrome, it's all that psychological stress that you're living under. 
in these squalid conditions. You're not having any contact with other humans. You're often in solitary condition. And it's just where if, if you had mental health issues to begin with, they might then get worse. And it's just being in this, you know, these squalid living conditions that can just make you become even more unwell, mentally unwell. And it, yeah, these, these people, you know, typically they're there. The average time from prosecution to death is 16 years. Wow. That is so long, isn't it? That is so, so long. That means that you're living in limbo. So what you're, what you're doing effectively is you're, you're going on this day-to-day basis of living in these, this really bad condition of not knowing when your execution date is going to be called. And so it's something which, you know, it's, it's, it messes with your head in terms of trying to think about what does this mean? And especially yeah. if, if you haven't done the crime as well or mm-hmm. claim to not have done the crime, it uh, yeah it can really and the reason the reason it drags is because of the process of like trying the appeals process isn't it the appeals process is so long that it just keeps dragging and dragging and dragging um and that's why you end up there you know it costs so much money takes so much time so many court appearances and things it just drags on and on and on so yeah exactly so what what happens is a lot of lawyers get involved from either side and people keep coming up with different reasons where they come up with human rights and they say that they are, they should be entitled to this or they shouldn't be entitled to that or new evidence might suddenly turn up. And so there's a lot of time that goes through the courts, which is really expensive, where the, the lawyers that are put on for the people in prison are paid for by the state. And it, these can just go on for, for years and years and years, these different appeals and these delays in not knowing if you're going to get off or not. And I was reading about, you must have seen this somewhere, that actually nearly a quarter of inmates on death row in the US die of natural causes are waiting to have their execution date. Yeah, because they're there for so long. So about 40% of the prisoners on death row have been there for over 20 years. Wow. 20 years. (laughs) Where you've got one hour a day outside your cell. That's just, it's just, that's that's such a long time, isn't it? Yeah. So, so long. There are prisoners, you know, um, you know, some of the longest serving 38 years, 36 years and four months before they were executed. It, it, yeah. And it, and every, everybody has this right to appeal. So there's there are a series of appeals that come up because, and we'll get onto this in a bit, there's been some people who have managed to get off death row right at the last minute with either some new mm-hmm. evidence or some new DNA or whatever it might be coming out. And so they try and delay and delay and delay when the execution might be in the hope that, especially if you're innocent, that something might might come up to try and exonerate you. Might be worth just throwing this in there. We do it every now and then, but I think we've got a decent interview coming up, haven't we? Yes. Yeah, we have. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we're talking about people being exonerated, that's all we'll say, but I think we've got a very good interview coming up uh, <laughs> to talk about some of this stuff. So... <laughs> You know, spoiler alert, or, or put this in your diary for on on Friday. Hopefully, uh, it will come out. Uh, we're hoping it'll be Friday, but it looks like it's in the pipeline, doesn't it? That we're going to have a pretty good interview. Definitely. And so, yeah, people, as I was saying, people have got off death row. They've got something which is called clemency, and clemency is the process by which a governor or the president, even if it gets that big, or the state, they decide to reduce a defendant's sentence or grant them a pardon 
or a stay of execution so that they can then get off and, and not actually be on death row anymore. And there's multiple reasons why that can happen for people getting off. One of them being, as I mentioned earlier, is new evidence or DNA coming up. Yeah, that's a big deal, isn't it? Particularly, like, obviously, most recently that your DNA can prove that you have or have not done something. And, you know, talking about some people that it's called being exonerated, um, you know, getting off of death row. Some of these people have, let me just read a couple, right? A guy called Nicholas Yaris served 21 years in Pennsylvania's death row before DNA led to his innocence. Wow. 21 years. Wow. Uh, Curtis McCarty served 21 years in Oklahoma, including 18 years on death row for a murder he didn't commit before DNA proved him innocent. A guy called Ray Crone served a decade in Arizona prison, including four years on death row for a murder that he didn't commit before DNA proved his innocence. But you, there have been cases, Liam, where people have been proved innocent after they've died, hasn't there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, this has been bold and red. Must mention this. A guy called Frank Lee Smith died of cancer on Florida's death row after serving 14 years for a murder that he didn't commit. He was cleared by DNA 11 months after his death by, um, a ch- I think it's a charity called The Innocence Project. Yes. They work with... Um, they, well, they basically sort of what it sounds like they do. They, you know, try and help prisoners that are innocent. Um, and they, and it's, it, which is mad. So that, that poor guy spent all that time on death row for a crime he actually didn't commit. And he, he died before he could then get out. But, and they, the stat is that they reckon 4% of people on death row are actually innocent. And so that's one in 25 people is innocent. And so this is where it comes back to some of that controversy where people are saying, even if you're getting it wrong one in 25 times. That's too many times. Way too much, way too much yeah. getting it wrong for somebody. But some of the, and it's, it's we're not really, I have enough time to get into it now, but some of the, the cases, like just how it seems that evidence was skewed or information was lost, like critical mm-hmm. evidence was like locked away or lost or not brought up in court or people were not qualified to be discussing the, the the things in court. It just led to reasons why people have then been put away for all this time for crimes they didn't commit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, it's it makes for grim reading, doesn't it? That's what it just makes you think. Like, you know, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. But it, well, I mean, do you just give up believing that event? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So. We could get caught up in that, though. That's the problem, isn't it? So we're talking we're talking about death row then. So let's let's say the ultimate has happened and you've gotten down to your last day. There's a there's a rule book, isn't there? Almost like hour by hour, what needs to happen uh, on a de- on on the last day, and pretty much all the prisons are v- very similar to this. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So so what happens? It, the whole process starts about eight p.m., which is twenty roughly twenty four hours before the execution will take place and it, mm-hmm. it, it starts. So you'll be moved from your prison cell and you'll be driven to somewhere called the death house, which just <laughs> sounds grim. yeah, pretty grim. And yeah, where, where you get taken in, in the first place. So yeah, you, you go there about 8 PM and you go to bed for what would be your last sleep. One, one of the things that, um, one of the things that I'd read that I, I think like an ex warden had said in an interview was when they get out of that, that van at the death house, that's the last time they see daylight. 
Yeah. Like, like as they walk between the van and where they, it's going to happen. I read that they said it's a pretty solemn journey, which you can yeah. well imagine. imagine. So, so yeah, again, again, you then go, go through last night's sleep. Yeah, 4.30 wake up, 4.30 a.m., pretty early in the morning. This gives them time for any last-minute petitions for a stay of execution or any other last-minute legal issues to be resolved. Um, they uh, get visits. They can speak to the chaplain. Uh, they're allowed to make some phone calls. And then at 8 a.m., all visitors are banned, aren't they? That's right. So that's that's when you're then you're then left on your own, and the prison death team they go off and then they check all the equipment, team. <laughs> make sure that it's doing what it what it should be doing, that all the straps and everything and everything is in place, ready for it to be used later on that day. Yep, ten thirty. They have their final lunch, not a final meal. They have a final lunch, which tends to be just prison food, um, and then a grim one here about three o'clock. They'll have their head shaved. If they're going to get the electric chair. <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute, won't we? But um, then, so then on to four o'clock and that's when you then have your final meal, don't you? Yeah, this is a funny thing. Funny. Is it funny? I don't know. Uh, to uh, Just to look into some of the final meals that people, you know, you hear a lot about this. Um, just really quickly before um, the last couple bits, some of their final meals, you know, they... They used to be able to have whatever they wanted, but actually some states now put like a financial amount on it. Uh, it's like some $40 in some places, $15 in some other places, and, and you can order certain things. One guy ordered just loads of ice cream, uh, yeah. two pints of mint chocolate chip ice cream. That was the Oklahoma bomber. Serial killer John Wayne Gacy or Gracie. He ordered 12 fried shrimp, a bucket of original recipe KFC, French fries, and a pound of strawberries. Yep. Um, just one more. A guy called Ricky Ray Rector ordered some steak, fried chicken, Kool-Aid and a pecan pie. He left the pecan pie behind, telling the guard he was saving it for later. Wow. <laughs> but you'd read about the Texas one, right? Because yeah. Texas don't allow you to have a choice anymore. Why is that? Well, yeah, Texas don't allow you to select your last meal, to select your final meal. And that's all because there was a, a chap called Lawrence Russell Brewer. And he ordered an absolutely massive meal. So according to a report that was published in the Houston Chronicle, he asked for fried okra with ketchup, two chicken steaks, gravy, onions, cheese omelette with ground beef, jalapenos and bell peppers. On top of that, he had a triple meat bacon cheeseburger, three fajitas, one pound of barbecue and half a <laughs> loaf of white bread. Pizza Meat Lovers Special, one pint of homemade vanilla bluebell ice cream, a slab of peanut butter fudge with crushed peanuts, and three root beers. They must have known that something was coming. So what happened then? So he's ordered all this food and? It then arrived and he just told them, he said, I'm not hungry. Don't want it. <laughs> yeah, so then Texas went, sod it. No one gets a choice anymore, didn't they? The governor was yeah infuriated and then the public was as well. And they decided, right, so when we're going to ban having a final meal for anyone on death row and they'll just have what the other prisoners have then there was did you read about the complete other extreme so this guy he ordered everything there was a someone else who was called victor fager yeah ordered an olive is that this one he ordered a single olive with the pit in and apparently he said the reason why he wanted it with the pit in is because he hoped that an olive tree would sprout from his grave as a sing symbol of peace. Mm, don't know about that. Right. <laughs> so they've had their last meal. 
That's about four o'clock. One guy, by the way, asked to watch the whole of Lord of the Rings while he was eating his last meal. Did you read that? No, I didn't. I'd make it last longer. So we've had the last meal. About five o'clock, the execution witnesses arrive, uh, typically journalists, members of the victim's family, um, you know, perhaps the, the condemned's family. Uh, they're quiet as possible. Then they walk between six o'clock and eight o'clock. They walk to where the execution chamber is. And that's about it, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, as we were saying, it gets to about eight o'clock where they then, this whole process starts about 24 hours earlier, this pretty strict regimented process that they get. And so, yeah, they're now there about 8 p.m. again, ready for the inevitable to happen. Yeah, and they're allowed to, um, some some places allow them to have, make a final statement. They, they time them. Um, Kentucky give them two minutes. Pennsylvania only allow inmates a written statement. Uh, so I guess, again, that sort of depends where you are, whether you get to say something or not. Yeah. Um, and then probably we've got to mention the grim bit, haven't we? Because it is grim reading about this. How do they get executed? Yeah. And this this is maybe, yeah, if you want to skip ahead a, a moment or two, there are, <laughs> we'll just talk about a, a couple of the ways how people are, are get executed. So the main one is lethal injection. You've got electrocution the gas chamber, firing squad, or hanging. So, yeah, this yeah. is super grim, super grim. But should we just touch on a few of them? We yeah, start- so lethal injection is the overwhelming majority of states. So all states have to have a primary method, method? of execution, yeah. of which nearly every state has the lethal injection, except South Carolina, who used electrocution, uh, the electric chair, as their number one. Then they have to have a number two in place if number one cannot happen. Um, so that's why these do exist, but generally, overwhelmingly, that they all use the lethal injection, don't they? But there is some um, controversy, I guess, around that that, we, that you might have read about. Yeah. So, again, just coming back to this whole controversy about it and Europe having got rid of the, the death penalty, abolished it years and years ago, the drug companies have stopped selling the drug that is needed to kill people. So that happened in about 2016. 2017 I think so it means that a lot of the well it means that the prisons over in the US aren't able to get hold of the drug that they need to then be able to lethally kill someone and it's it's actually three drugs isn't it they have one drug that first um, anesthetizes the person so they can't feel anything they have a second drug that paralyzes the muscles and the lungs to stop them breathing and then a third drug potassium chloride which causes a cardiac arrest so your yeah. heart stops so it's three and- drugs and uh, obviously like you said Different companies produce those drugs and they, they don't want to be associated with, um, you know, they, they make their drugs to save lives, not not end lives, I think, is generally what they sort of say. One of the ones that they've been talking about in the US, though, is replacing that third one with fentanyl, haven't they? Yeah, a guy called Scott Dozier. Dozier, um, he has given up uh, appealing against his death penalty. He wants to be killed and he's quite happy. For, so, that yeah, fentanyl, which is like an opioid, isn't it? A bit like, I guess, like heroin, maybe. Yep. Um, They've got a huge problem in America with fentanyl overdoses outside of prison anyway. So, um, yeah, he's like, he's quite happy to take it apparently and just OD me on fentanyl, which is grim. Yeah. But then again, that has then led to loads of delays because yeah. lawyers yeah, yeah. get involved from both sides because you, something that we've not talked about is you get botched, botched executions, don't you? Where they don't go to plan, where you either don't give enough of a, a dose of something or, the concoction of, of what they had actually gave yeah. them an adverse reaction. It didn't really just kill them. 
And so there's lawyers getting involved saying, will fentanyl actually do the job? You know, we wouldn't want him to have any ill effects. It's not yeah. his human right to go in a way that isn't correct. You'd read about the, the electric chair, didn't you? Like- now this, this is properly grim, the electric chair. So this is the one where you might have seen it. You, you get your head shaved and then there's like a metal skull shaped electro electrode that gets attached to your scalp and they, they have to wet it just to make sure that the current can then get carried through it. And you end up getting a jolt of electricity between 500 and 2000 volts that lasts for 30 seconds, but you get so hot and <laughs> your body doesn't do very well with it. Cause it's obviously designed to kill you. You've got a heart monitor on doctors then have to wait for you to cool down for a few moments go and check if you have passed or not and if you haven't then they have to redo it all again and jolt you again but it's pretty grim and what was there was something that you read Liam I know there's a reason why there's a reason why they wear a bag over their head when they have the electrocution sometimes their eyes pop out their eyes pop out of their head and sit on their cheek in case of whatever (laughs) happens from that's grim isn't it i read about the it's because the body temperature rises and the flesh swells it stretches and then sometimes you can even catch fire from it i was reading um but absolutely horrible as you say yeah the eyes can pop out and land on your yeah it's grim i don't like it i'll let you read that when i was reading about the firing squad so with the firing squad they they sit on a only three people have been killed by firing squad in the last 45 years this is very rare but it does happen so you sit on a chair they put loads of um, sandbags behind you to absorb any blood or any, like, the gunshot itself. They then put a heart on your tar- – a, a target on your heart. They have five people lined up in front of you with five guns. One of the shooters has a blank bullet so that – but nobody knows who it is. So morally, I guess, you know, you could argue, well, it might not have been me. Yeah, okay. And the other four have got a real bullet, and then it's just aim at the heart and – that's it. <laughs> yeah, you bleed out. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Heart stops. Yeah. So. And then the, know, the other two, just very briefly, which are probably a bit more straightforward and known is um, the gas chamber. So putting you in, in a room and filling in gas that you will then not be able to, to breathe and it will kill you. Um, so yeah, it might give you a heart attack or just mean that you then don't have any oxygen left to breathe. Again, there's a load of controversy about that being a humane way for someone to go or not. And then the other one is hanging. And hanging was the primary method for years and years and years. But again, there's a lot of controversy about you can have botched botched hangings and you're obviously dying from a slow asphyxiation to your neck, which is an absolutely awful way. So, yeah, pretty grim. Pretty grim topic in general. We... We, we we said we'd finish on something nice, but I'm pretty sure we finished on the grimmest thing. <laughs> when we tried right. to plan it, we're like, finish on something nice. Was like, is there anything nice about this topic? So thanks, uh, Luke, and all the listeners that voted for this. Yeah. Um, have you got a takeaway? Yes, I do. So different states have different rules that we've mentioned. And they've, part of those different rules are about who actually executes the person. So okay. predominantly in near enough all states, it's the prison staff, the prison correctional staff that are trained to carry this out. But in Florida, they have a completely different way of going about this. And they actually get a private citizen, so a member of the public who volunteers to do it. 
and they get paid $150 to do it. And then they're given anonymity for doing so. What? (laughs) If you're just a private citizen in Florida, and I got this from the Florida Institute of Correctional Facilities website. So it's it's definitely wow. that yeah. So you can volunteer if you want to then press the button that then sets off the the execution. <laughs> That's grim. I did not know that one before you said it. Sometimes I know what you're gonna say, but I did not know that. So go on then. Okay. Can you tell me what is your two guys one topic takeaway? Uh, this is very recent. The longest serving death row inmate in the US was resentenced to life in prison. Um, in I didn't write the date down, but it's within the last couple of months. After prosecutors in Texas concluded that the 71-year-old man is ineligible for execution because of his mental illness. He has spent more than 45 years on death row. Wow. What? 45 years, 23 hours a day inside a cell that's the biggest free dining tables. <laughs> you wouldn't be able to reintegrate, would you, if you then came out know, at 71? Like the, the world would be full of iPhones and cars and stuff that you wouldn't have known. Can I just throw one like the opposite end of that spectrum for you? So on. on the back of your one, so that's your longest one. Did you say it was 45 years? Yeah. So the shortest time anybody's ever been on death row is someone called Joe Gonzalez, and it was 252 days. So that's a pretty quick one because we were talking about most people are on for decades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Days. Wow. Well, this is a, uh, I don't know, it's a strange topic, isn't it? It's sort of grim and it's sort of like, oh my God, like, what What if? Like, I, I kept thinking, what if I somehow found myself sitting in death row? Like, oh. imagine you haven't done something. Imagine you didn't do it. Well, uh, that is that is unbelievable. And saying that 4% of people are actually in that situation and then new evidence comes out, that is that is mad to think that you might well, be in like, that situation. Like we said, you know, perhaps our interview might shed some light on this. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Eyes open for hopefully next Friday. Um, Yeah, this is a crazy topic. So thanks, Luke. Thanks to the listeners for voting for it. Yeah, I know. I know more about it. I'm not sure I wanted to. You know, sort of ignorance is bliss. Maybe I just let it happen in the background. But, but, you know, we didn't know about it beforehand and now we do. Yeah, I definitely have a way better understanding about what it is yeah super grim but hopefully people out there as well you've learned something as well and you can get out there and share some knowledge okay everybody thanks for listening to this week's listener choice episode on death row hopefully you enjoyed it um if you've listened to it and realized actually you'd like to get a bit involved and perhaps suggest some topics or give us a comment about what you thought about it please Follow us on the socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Two Guys One Topic. Give us a follow, send us a message, let us know your thoughts. Otherwise, thanks for listening, everybody. We will talk to you next week. <laughs>